Hi, this is Scott Coogan, drummer of Lita Ford's band, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Chad Cherry from the Las Vegas, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Matt from the Treatment, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. And welcome to episode 167 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast comes to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, blues, metal talk on the internet. We have three special guests for you this time. We have from Lita Ford's band, we have Scott Coogan joining us. Uh, Lita Ford's band was just in town with Poison and Def Leppard tearing the place up. So we're going to find out what's going on with those guys. We also have chad cherry of the band the last vegas who were also in our town not all that long ago so we're going to talk to them about their new album coming out and we're going to introduce you to a band called the treatment now the treatment uh many of you may have heard the name may have you have may even seen them and not realized it they're the band that is on the opening slot for motley crew and kiss with the tour so if you're in pittsburgh that's coming up this weekend so we're going to play a track from the band the treatment we're going to get into an interview we did with matt from the band so, from their debut album, this is nothing to lose but our minds from the treatment. <laughs> Cause I'm 
good. How are you? Very good. Good. I mean, the first question uh, that, that came to my mind, um, how in the heck did you guys land this tour slot with Kiss and Motley Crue? This has to be a, a, a real thrill. Yeah, it's an absolute dream come true. Um, we were actually, we were traveling back from a gig back home in England. Okay. And uh, we'd, we'd known that Nicky Six was a bit of a fan of the band. So he tweeted our video around and said, you know, everybody check these guys out. They're a good band from the UK and stuff. And uh, we actually got a text from a friend saying, have you looked at um, Nicky Six's Twitter recently? And there was a tweet saying, you know, welcome the treatment to the tour, they'll be on it for the whole time, you know, <laughs> make them feel welcome. So we kind of, we found out by accident, really, and then it kind of just went from there, so it was a bit mind-blowing, really. Yeah, I guess they figured no, no one in the band had uh, had to be asked if you wanted to do the tour. I mean, you can't buy that kind of exposure <laughs> in the United States. Exactly, that's it. Yeah, we just jumped at the challenge, so. Yeah. Is this uh, the band's first tour of the United States, proper tour of the U.S.? Yep, this is the first time we've ever been to the States, and we're absolutely loving it. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, for those that aren't familiar with the band who haven't had a chance to catch you, uh, which you know most of our market hasn't had a chance to see you guys yet, how do you guys describe your sound as far as influences and things like that? Um, I'd say we're just like a, a hard rock band. You know, we, we've all grown up listening to bands like ACDC, Thin Lizzy, Judas Priest, Sex Pistols, just all classic bands. So mm -hmm. there's definitely a kind of classic rock influence there, for sure. Sure. I mean... I have to admit, you catch my attention when you mention Thin Lizzy, because I think probably is, you'll find the longer you're in America, they're sinfully uh, underappreciated in the United States. Um, yeah. It's great to hear you mention them. Uh, this happens to be, as we're speaking, Phil Lynott's uh, birthday, so it's uh, kind of cool to give. Oh, yeah, it's true, yeah. Great to give, give a tip of the cap. Um, for a band, I, I know we, we've talked to a couple uh, bands over the years that have opened for KISS. Um, and and also Motley Crue. How is the experience? I mean, you're going on at roughly, you know, what, about 7 o'clock local time, something like that? That's about right, yeah. About quarter to seven we go on. Yeah, I mean, are the crowds usually filled in pretty well at that time? Yeah, I mean, we've been having a great reaction so far. I mean, you know, when we first go on, it's probably about, you know, a third of the audience there, and then by the time we finish, it's probably about, it's pretty much full, so... We've been having a really good um, good reaction, and we, we go out to the merch stands after we play and meet people, and everyone's been coming up to us and saying, you know, we love the band, it's a breath of fresh air, it's good to hear young guys playing this kind of music again. So the reaction has been really, really positive, which is brilliant for us. Yeah, and I have to, I have to give you a tip of the cap. I think a lot of bands uh, kind of miss the mark, you know, just spending a couple minutes at your merch stand. Uh, is yeah. is a great idea, you know, because people, you know, you know, much more willing to plunk down a couple bucks for a CD if they can, you know, meet you guys, get a picture, get a signature. Uh, and I I noticed from your Facebook like page, to, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's right. No, we just, we just say we like to say thank you for people for buying it because it helps us get to the next show. You know, it keeps us on the road, so we really appreciate it. So we want to show our appreciation. You know. Yeah. Now. Um, in doing the tour, uh, you guys get uh, roughly how long is your set? Uh, we play for half an hour. Okay, so you got to kind of hit it and get out there and get going. Um, but I noticed a lot of positive feedback on your Facebook page, which uh, appears to be kind of your predominant website. Um, yeah. As younger guys, I mean, it is, Facebook's got to be a great tool for a band like you guys. Um, can you talk yeah, a little bit about how you use it? Yeah, I mean, we use it just to get, you know, our stuff out there and keep in contact with fans and let people know what we're doing and where we're going to be and stuff. And, Twitter's good for that as well, so it's just easy to snap something out really quick. 
But um, we're actually we're making an actual website which will be out hopefully in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. And uh, so yeah, like Facebook and YouTube and all kind of stuff like that. It's all great for new bands because, like I said, it just helps you get your stuff out there, which is what it's all about, you know. Yeah, I mean, ten years ago you might have been a MySpace only band, but uh, you know it's kind of neat to see that. Um, the album itself is the is uh, the album full length album available in the U.S. other than at your merch booth right now. Uh, it is. It's on um, iTunes and it's on Amazon and Play.com and stuff like that. But I think I'm not sure if it's in shops. I think it is. Okay. I can't tell you which one. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I don't. No, that's okay. I mean, the chains are all different. Now you you guys are from England, correct? All of you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Cambridge. Okay. And obviously, you're pretty young guys. I know there's been kind of a resurgence in the last, say, five, six years of bands from, like, Sweden and things like that doing more 80s-themed kind of rock music. Is is what you're doing, from your perspective, pretty unique in England right now, or is there a bit of a resurgence in this kind of classic 70s sort of hard rock? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a scene starting to rebuild again. You know, there's a few bands coming from England and, like, say, from kind of mainland Europe as well kind of doing this stuff again which is great because you know it's it's good because you know the bands that we like are all great bands and you know it's good to hear that kind of music starting up again so people want to hear it I think so for sure there's definitely a scene starting to build up again yeah it's cool I mean do you find like like when you guys do a headline gig I notice you're doing some kind of one-off uh, headline shows in between tour dates and things is your audience roughly your age or are you attracting a, an older audience we get a kind of mix because, like I said, you know, the older people hear the bands that they used to like, you know, 15 mm. years ago or something like that. So they come along because they hear it being played again. But then because we're younger people, we get the kind of young kids come and see us because we're the same age as them, you know. So we get a kind of a whole kind of cross section of people, which is great, you know. Yeah, that's, it's kind of interesting because you, you, you see a band, you know, like Kiss. I'm sure you see it every night. People bring their kids out to the show. Yeah, um, sure. And it, it's you don't see that a lot with young bands. You don't see, um, you know, we had asking Alexandria and things like that. You don't see a lot of really young kids coming out, you know, in their early early teens. You see a lot of kids in you know eighteen twenty years old that are into that kind of music. But you know, it's it's neat to see a band that can perform and draw people older than them. You know, which yeah, really sure. that's a really unique, really unique feature. So, um, how long are you guys out on the road with these guys? And are you? Is it all the way through September, or is it going even further? Uh, yeah, we're in, we're in. We're on the tour until the 24th of September. So I think the whole the whole thing runs for about ten weeks. We've been out here for about four already, so we've got about six left. I think. Yeah. Now, do you guys just kind of, when you're done with your set, kind of sneak off into the crowd and watch the bands and uh, take notes, or? Um, yeah, that's it. We, we watch the bands every night because, like you say, they're so good at what they do. They're professional. So if we couldn't uh, do this tour and learn some stuff from it, it would be a waste. So we definitely try and kind of. You know, take tips as it were. Yeah. Now, do you get to interact much with the guys, or is it just kind of everybody does their own thing? And yeah, yeah, we, we we see them around all the time and say hello and chat and all that. So they're really, really nice people. King Crimson, Nicky Six, Tommy Lee, the whole lot. Paul, Paul Stanley's been lovely. Eric Singer's great. So yeah, they've all been really, really nice. Yeah, that's got to be a, a real trip. Uh, you know, just either one of those bands would be a, a huge opportunity to tour with, but to, to be on the tour. Uh, you know, whoever does your booking, uh, score one for them, which is great. Yeah. So, so we'll be looking for you after September. What's what are the plans? Are you, you going to go back uh, overseas? Or are you going to stay in America for a while and try to you know do the club scenes? 
No, I think we're going back home. We're going to have a couple of weeks off, and then I think we're going back out to Europe to do our own kind of stuff again. And then at the end of the year, we've got a UK tour with Finn Lizzy, which would be great. Oh, that'll be great, yeah. If you haven't seen uh, Finn Lizzy with Ricky and company, a uh, tremendous, tremendous uh, band. So that, I think that'll be a very good mix for you guys, you know, stylistically. Yeah. Be... We've done a couple of shows with Finn Lizzy before, and they went really, really well. So we're, we're excited to be doing a whole tour, and it's going to be good. Yeah, so do we? Do you have any plans, like, in, in 2013 to coming back over, or is it just going to kind of see what the market bears? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we want to come back as soon as possible because we're having, you know, such a good reaction out here, and we love being out here. So hopefully maybe beginning of next year, maybe early next year. For sure. Okay. Yeah, that would be cool if you can, you can uh, bring Thin Lizzy with you. That would be a, a nice to see because they don't, you know, get this out this way that much either, so it would be awesome to see it. Yeah, they were, they they toured the United States last fall with um, Judas Priest, which, you know, was a really, really cool package as well, so. Matt, Matt, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show. We look forward to seeing you come in on the 2nd of September to play the first Niagara Pavilion in Burgerstown. Uh, For those not in the Pittsburgh market, uh, they can go to the uh, kissonline.com and see the whole list of tour dates uh, through September then. Matt, thank you. Thank you. The biggest bands in rock. The wildest stage shows on earth. The biggest live event of the summer. Kiss and Motley Crue. The Tour 2012. September 2nd at First Niagara Pavilion. Tickets are on sale now. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com. All Ticketmaster outlets are charged by phone. All right, I hope to catch all of you out there at the Kiss Motley Crew and Treatment Show this Sunday. That'll be at, I believe, 7 o'clock, something like that. Check your ticket if you don't know. If you don't have a ticket, Head over to LiveNation.com. You can get tickets there. So the next band we are going to talk to, uh, Chad Cherry of the band The Last Vegas. Now, the band kind of got on my radar in like 2009, I believe it was. I had read something that Nikki Six was working with a band, and honestly, that's all it took for me to want to check it out. A really cool band. Have sort of a uh, throwback sound to that kind of sleazy rock that ended the 1980s that sort of Guns and Roses faster pussycat LA Guns kind of sound to to me at least uh you'll listen to the conversation we had check their album out on iTunes uh, they've got an album out called Bad Decisions that's going to be coming out very very soon if not by the time you listen to this it should be available already little boy with hedge clippers on the cover so if you see it you'll know what it is so without further ado Chad Cherry with the band The Last Vegas and I- the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, join us on the line from the band The Las Vegas. We have Chad. How you doing, Chad? I'm all right. How are you? Great. You were actually um, just in our fair city of Pittsburgh doing a show at the Smiling Moose, and uh, you're going to be doing a lot of shows really in the Midwest uh, coming up later this month. Uh, when is the new record dropping, and how are the shows going? Uh, well, the shows are always good. I mean, we're a definite live band, so that's that's our bread and butter. Uh, Pittsburgh rocks. I mean, I always have a good time there. I, I, I love, I love the history of the town and oh, there's just some true blue rock and rollers out there that, that come out to our shows. And yeah. We always have a blast. Our uh, new record is called Bad Decisions and it comes out August 28th. Okay. In, uh, next week. Next, so, uh, next uh, we're, we're really, yeah, we're really excited to, to get that out there for everybody. 
Now I've I've had the pleasure of listening to this album, and uh, I gotta say it it it's fun to listen to a, a band uh, as young as you guys, but with a style that it's so classic. You know, it kind of harkens me back to a lot of of bands of that kind of I don't want to say sleaze metal, but you know, it reminded me of bands like a Faster Pussycat and an edgier Skid Row and things like that. Was that what you guys kind of cut your teeth on as kids? Oh yeah, well when we were young, we listened to all the big big bands like Aerosmith and yeah. Alice Cooper, Guns N' Roses, you know, that that was kind of the stuff that we, we all grew up on. So I think a lot of it bled into our playing and it soaked into our bloodstreams and <laughs> now this is what we do. Yeah, I know when I listened to to the album, I knew it, it without liner notes or anything like that, if someone would have just put it on and said, you know, here's here's a band, I'm not gonna tell you who it is I actually may have mistaken you for Sebastian Bach in some of those songs because you've got that kind of, you know, that slave to the grind kind of yeah. voice. Which we, were, well, we just hung out with Baz a couple of days ago. We were in, we were in Chicago. Awesome. Uh, my drummer's uh, good friends with Sebastian. So. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good compliment because, well, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought he was the, the coolest. He still is the coolest. Yeah, He's a great he? guy. Great singer. Great singer. It's, it's freaky how he does not look a day older than he did when he was, what, 18? Oh, uh, rock, rock and roll will keep you young. Yeah, I guess, I guess. It it's, doesn't have that effect on everybody, unfortunately. But, <laughs> no, uh, not really. But, um, so you guys, you did this album. Now, you guys kind of, I guess, came onto a lot of people's radar with the last album, Whatever Gets You Off, and, and your affiliation with Nikki Six and, and things like that. How did that all come to be? Oh, well, I think we got the attention of Nikki when we were in L.A. We were playing the Whiskey at Go-Go, and he, he liked us, liked what we were doing, and wanted to work with us, wanted to be a part of, of what we were what we were doing and where we were at at the time. So we eventually got into the studio and cut a record with him and uh, a couple of his cohorts, and we, we did Whatever Gets You Off. And half of the record we had done in Chicago by ourselves, mm-hmm. and everybody liked it so much that we basically kept it the same and just wrote a couple tunes, a couple new tunes with Marty Fredrickson and Nikki Six while we were in LA. Yeah, and that was that was a really good time. That was fun. That was a great learning experience. Great atmosphere to be around. Really, really fun time. Yeah, I think uh, you know being around a songwriter. Uh, with as much history as Nikki Six, you know, I think he's a guy yeah. that, you know, doesn't get the credit. You know, I don't think a lot of people necessarily read the liner notes quite to the degree that to realize Nikki really wrote everything from their catalog. I mean, he basically is Motley Crue. He's done all yeah. the songs. I mean, he he's a big part of everything that they do, if not most of what they do. And you know, you got to give him respect for that. He's he's worked on countless other projects. And he's just—he's really fun to be around. He's—he's he's completely hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he's—he's he's really, really funny. Him and Nick Mars together uh, should just be some kind of reality show <laughs> together. It's—it's it's a comedy routine and non-scripted. It's oh man, they'll have you in stitches. Yeah, it, good it's stuff. good stuff. It's it's fun to see uh, you know Mick uh, you know doing some stuff with the Black Veil Brides and things like that and and you know kind of coming out of the shadow of, of the Molly Crew thing. It, it's neat to see because you always knew there was a lot more to him than just that. And you were talking about yeah. Nick, Nikki's talent. Yeah, I mean, he, the the six a.m. stuff is, is incredible. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just an active guy and he loves music. And he, he gets it for the most part, you know, of, of, he understands what 
everyone's wanting, he didn't want to change our band to sound like something that would be on active rock radio. He knew what we were, mm-hmm. and he liked us because he knew we really don't care. We're going to do what we want to do, and that's the way he's always done stuff. And I think he respected us for that. Yeah. That's why he wanted to work with us. Yeah. Now, you guys are, are taking these tour dates uh, kind of across the Midwest and into uh, the Plain States and stuff before getting back into, like, California and Vegas in, in the middle of September. Do you have plans uh, beyond September, or what, what do you guys have on tap for us? Um, well, as of now, we have our new single, uh, Evil Eyes, is hitting active rock radio. Okay. So after our Vegas show on the, I believe it's the 15th or 14th, we're playing with Gilby Clark at Vamp in, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of plan on hitting the road even more after that and going to markets that we need to be at at a certain times. And we plan on touring for this record, Bad Decisions, uh, for the remainder of the, remainder of the year. Okay. It's not longer. Yeah, I would say it, it seems like as much effort and money as it takes to make an album, you kind of need to tour till the wheels fall off almost. Definitely. You have to yeah. support it. You yeah, have to work really hard. You know, and it's good to see. I, I see that more and more with, with bands, uh, you know, your band stature and, and even some smaller bands that are getting the idea that if you come back to markets, you know, you tear it up in Pittsburgh and then you come back five, six months later and, and tear it up to a bigger crowd. You know, you can grow a band, you know, kind of organically. Uh, yeah, you know, which is great. I mean, that's how it used to be a long time ago when I remember traveling before I was even in a band, I was traveling with bands, and it was, you're ping-ponging around the United States and Canada. You're going everywhere that the, the van will take you to play for these markets that you know that you're, you're needed at and mm-hmm. wanted at. And it's kind of the same, same thing now, and maybe, maybe it's a little bit more easier because of the internet and the social networks and stuff to get the word out there. But before, I, I remember, <laughs> you'd have to, you know, I'll show my age a little bit. I mean, you you have to stop at rest areas and use the phones and stuff. I started <laughs> doing this at a really early age, yeah. so you know it's kind of the same thing now. It's just easier. It's not, I don't know. It, it, the road is the road, you know. And people will always, no matter what happens in life, want to hear live music because yeah. it makes them feel good. Yeah, and that's, that's what we're all about. You know, we want to make people feel good. Yeah, I mean the videos are great. I mean, but they're. You know, they're not what they were as a marketing tool 25 years ago. Now, you have the event right. of, uh, of social media, which is, you know, I can't imagine what it would have been like if, you know, Poison it would have had social media. You know, they had flyers and went nuts with that. Uh, you know, if they would have had Facebook in that era, that would have been insane. But um, Yeah, they would have, they would have been uh, even bigger than they were, you know. Yeah, but, but when you think about it, if... if you can have all the tweets and the followers and all those stuff, but if someone walks into a club and you guys just are flat, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what I mean, people that's when, remember. You know? Right. That's when touring is more important than any social media because you're in their face and you're live and you're real and you're raw and people, you know, I think they get, they get a kick out of coming up and talking to you after the shows and they, they want to be a part of what's going on. And, and you can't play a live show over YouTube for real, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's neat to be able to stream, you know, some stuff. You know, if a band's not coming to your town, you know, it's always cool, you know, like Kiss or Crew or somebody will do something massive. Like Absolutely. 
but you know, it just doesn't. It's not the same thing at all. You know, unless you can feel that kick drum in your chest, it's not the same thing. It's true, and I I know for a fact as a music fan, I love that stuff, and I want to see it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one of the reasons why I play music is because I'm a fan of music. Yeah. And to to be up in in everyone's face and come to their town and hang out with them, I think it. You know, it's the same thing that's been going on for a long time, and I think it's very important. Yeah. Can you just talk briefly? Uh, you guys put out an EP last year. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that? Cause it's an interesting project that was. Uh, well, the EP was basically us being extremely bored and wanting to get out and go out on the road, and mm-hmm. we needed something to do around. And we had fans bugging us, when is the record coming out? And we didn't. We didn't know. Yeah. We were going through a, a couple things at the time where we didn't really have a game plan or any uh, deadline for it. So we released that. Um, Century Media distributed it, mm-hmm. and we toured Spain with it, and we got uh, an opportunity to do a video, mm-hmm. which which we worked with uh, Civil Danning, one of my closest friends in in the movie, and in, in, in the B, B genre flicks. Sure. And Civil Civil did our our video. We had a great time shooting it, and it, it gave us an excuse to go out on the road and put out some music for our fans because they were they were getting angry at us. Yeah, <laughs> they keep to get the yeah because it was almost what three years between albums. You know that that is. It was not like that. We usually put out a record every year. That's mm-hmm. kind of our style. Well, you know, as as any band, we, we kind of ran into some stipulations where we had. We had to have a little patience, and good things come to those who wait. And Absolutely. we waited, and now now we're back at it again, and we're really excited to release uh, our new record out into the wild. Yeah, yeah, that that'll be uh, that'll be great. I'm just curious. I notice a lot of bands of kind of a, I don't want to call it a throwback, because to me it's not really a retro sound. But there are a lot of bands that are coming out that are doing that kind of sleazy rock sound, uh, so to speak, from, like, Sweden and things like that now. We're getting a lot of, like, import bands that look like bands from L.A. from, you know, the 80s and things like that. Do you, have you, um, in your touring, gone outside the U.S., and what kind of reaction do you guys get? Oh, outside of the U.S. is, uh, it's kind of like apples and oranges, really. We, We can... We can beat a dead horse, or we can we can ride a fresh pony. I mean, Europe Europe has always been really good to us. Spain has always been really good to us. Uh, we have a lot of red blooded diehard fans that mm-hmm. you won't find in America that you will find over the pond. Yeah, I I I don't really understand why, but I'm not going to question it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's it's interesting to see how Europe and and even South America embrace you know, different sorts of bands, you know, I guess, you know, back in, you know, to show my age, back in the, you know, the 80s, you'd hear these bands, you know, kind of spinal tappy that they're giant in Japan, and there were, there were bands that even to this day, like Mr. Big, that were phenomenally big in Japan, but, you know, here they, you know, they had a hit, and it was a massive hit, and everyone kind of got super saturated with it, but, you know, those guys are still an arena band in Japan. Oh, definitely. It must be something in the water or in the educational yeah. system. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, they're smarter than American fans, maybe. Yeah, they're yeah. Right, they're right. I mean, I, I, I mean, can... it's it is strange, and it's just completely obvious. 
uh, I think a lot a lot of people in the states will settle for something that's really not that good, and they won't reach out of what they're just normally susceptible to to yeah. find something that they really like or find their own own thing that really speaks to them, and they'll I don't know they settle. Yeah. I, I really honestly don't know, but I don't I don't I don't see a whole lot of that in in Europe or in any of the other markets that we play in. I mean, I love playing America. I'll tour America forever. I love the House of the Blues. I mean, everywhere we play, we have fans, but it's just it's just a little different over in in, in Europe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's. I guess it may be. A, I don't know what their you know terrestrial radio and things like that are in Europe. I can't speak to that, but you know, I wonder if maybe the formatting isn't quite as is you know. In America, you turn on a station that's going to play modern rock, and you're going to hear Disturbed and Corn and Rob Zombie, and all those are great bands, but you don't get a lot of diversity. You know, they're not no, going to, they're not going to throw in a classic crew song or a, you know Zeppelin. And and that's the thing too. There's there's not a whole lot of diversity because it's saturated with the kind of the same thing over and over again. And yeah. It gets, it gets, as a music fan, I mean, I get bored. I, I, I don't even want to listen to it anymore. I'll, yeah. I'll, I won't even listen to the radio. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm the same boat, but it might be because I do a podcast, you know. I spend more yeah, time listening. Right. You know, and exactly. I, one of the things I love about doing it, because, you know, a band like yourself, or earlier this week, we, we talked to a band called The Treatment, who were, uh, another band that Nikki was involved with, uh, and they're out on the road with the crew now, so. Yeah, you know, some cool. Great bands doing great music, and it's great to Definitely. listen to. But they're not, you know, necessarily going to make the radio station in my hometown. So, anyway, no. Chad, I want to thank you for it's taking the time. It's unfortunate, but yeah. Well, th- thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I wish you guys the best of luck. And we'll uh, catch you the next time you come through in Lovell, Pittsburgh. Well, thank you very much, and I look forward to talking to you soon. The X at 105.9 presents Rockstar Energy Drink Uproar Festival featuring Shinedown, Godsmack, Stain, Papa Roach, and Adelita's Way. Friday, August 31st, First Niagara Pavilion. The festival opens at 1 p.m. Come early to check out the Eagermeister and Ernie Ball stages featuring POD and more. The Rockstar Energy Drink Uproar Festival. Tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com or Ticketmaster. All info at RockstarUproar.com. All right, for those of you headed out to the Uproar Festival, which is this Friday night, uh, just note Papa Roach is no longer on the bill, and that goes for anybody in the United States who uh, still has the Uproar Festival coming. Uh, I believe the situation the vocalist had to have some nodules removed from his vocal cords, so not going to be doing the tour. And uh, what I believe is going to happen, Shinedown, Godsmack, and a couple of the other bands are going to extend their set and do some longer shows. So those of you who have been to these kind of festivals, I actually kind of like the idea of bands doing a little bit longer set because if you're going to see one band in particular, sometimes when you do the all-day festival, you really kind of miss out on the long 90-minute, two-hour sets that some bands do. So just be forewarned if you're going to see Papa Roach, uh, you might be a little disappointed. But (laughs) anyway... Without further ado, we're going to talk to drummer of Lita Ford, uh, Scott Coogan. Scott was on the show 2011. Uh, he was playing drums at the time with the Lynch Mob. 
and also Ace Frehley's solo band, which has both came to Pittsburgh last summer. So Scott was cool enough to hang out and do uh, two interviews, if I'm not mistaken, with us that we aired. And Scott was just back in town on the 14th of August with Def Leppard, Poison, and Lita Ford uh, to play the first Niagara Pavilion. So we got up with Scott uh, just a few days after the show, actually, and did this interview. So here we're going to get into an interview we did with Scott Coogan. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome back to the show, Scott Coogan of the Lita Ford Band. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good, John. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, you guys uh, just came through Pittsburgh uh, with Def yep. Leppard, Poison, and Lita. Um, I was not personally able to make it, but from all reports, I heard you guys toured up. How is it touring with Lita? It's fantastic. Um, we have Mitch Perry on guitar, who I've um, I've known for quite some time, but maybe 10 or 12 years, and... Um, we used to do a Zeppelin thing. Um, he used to hire me to sing because, you know, I do the, the six-foot nurse, the Zeppelin band. I lead, sing, and drum. But he used to hire me just to sing in Redondo Beach. So we know each other pretty well. Um, but we've never actually played in a musical, like as me playing drums mm-hmm. and playing guitar in, a, in that musical situation. So it's actually very, very cool. And Marty O'Brien on bass from Tommy Tommy Lee's band. And then, of course, Lita. It's it's awesome. You know, we rehearsed for about a week before we went out very, very intensely. Yeah. And uh, because we had to learn a full set, you know, because we, we have solo dates when we're off with Def Leppard. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we played, um, we did Pittsburgh. We did Penn's Peak, not Pittsburgh, but we did Pennsylvania. We did Penn's Peak, um, which is a cool venue on the first leg. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, so we do our solo dates. So we had to learn you know, all of us had to learn 30 songs or 30-something songs. Yeah. So even though we only play a half an hour with Poison and Def Leppard, but, you know, we have our solo shows. But it's awesome, man. I'm having a great time meeting so many new people. And, and you know, I didn't even know Lita until, you know, a month and a half ago, wherever we, a week before we left. So Yeah, how did, you, how did you come to get the gig? I mean, was there... Well, um, there's a lot of different... Uh, a lot of different people would say that they're credited, credited for it. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, my what Lita says is that um, she was in Orlando, and you know, as you know, I left Ace in February mm-hmm. this year, and she was in Orlando doing a a camp fantasy camp type of thing, and um, it was Ace. Yeah, she was in the dressing room with Ace and a friend of ours, dear friend of ours, Mike the Cop, Mike Supa, and okay. another friend, Chris, who's a bodyguard who bodyguard who was worked with Lita and um, and Ace as well, and. Um, she said that she needed a bass, a bass player and a drummer. And, um, and one of the three of the guys, I don't know who it was first, mentioned me, and then they all yeah. chimed in. So, um, and then uh, and, and Ace was probably, oh, Scott's great. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I know you love my Ace impersonation. You can't beat it. So, that on. <laughs> so, that one wasn't very good, but um, it's been a while since I've talked to him. So, um, yeah, so they... Um, they all chimed in, and, and so she came back to L.A. and phoned my manager and said um, said that she wanted me and, and um, that I didn't have to audition and all that kind of stuff. So then I had decisions to make and all that fun stuff. So, um, But that's uh, that's pretty much how it went down. So it was Ace, really. You know, it was the Ace camp that, mm-hmm. that, that referred me to Lita, which is very interesting if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of, it's not usually how that works when uh, yeah. your former band recommends you for the latter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's, yeah, that's Ace. Ace. Like that. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, now, I wanted to ask you, because I know in seeing you play live, you, you do quite a bit of singing. Does that, I mean, you've, you've managed to stay very busy, especially in the last couple of years with some big-name acts. Is your ability to sing you know, a giant feather in your cap, as I think it would I, be? Yeah, I think so, um, because, you know, background vocals are a, a big plus, no matter what situation you're in. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with Lynch Mob, you know, with Lynch Mob, we were... Oni and I's voice, you know, we, we've been singing together for so many years. We, we know what each other's going to do and stuff like that and with Robbie and stuff. But, and an ace, you know, I got a lot of, um, a lot of, um, publicity or, or whatever you want to call it, you know, singing because I was sing- lead singing all the, all the Paul Stanley stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, so, um, so a lot of people know that, that, that I can sing, lead sing and, and background vocals. Um, which, yes, to answer your question, I do think it's a big plus. Um, so, um, and with Lita, I'm doing a majority of the higher background vocals, but Mitch sings and Marty sing, uh, sings as well. So, so we're all singing. No, we're all uh, singing like birds back there with Lita. So, yeah, I mean that's one one other thing I was curious. I mean, being that you're working uh, with a female vocalist who's got you know probably a higher range. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is that more difficult, or were those parts written almost um, for more of a tenor? Yeah, it's 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 definitely higher. You know, she she sings higher than than you know most of the other people I've worked with, but um, but um, you know, and I'm doubling her on a lot of stuff. But I have a higher range, so it's mm-hmm. you know that's just what I do, and it's not like we're we're playing a long time, so <laughs> it yeah. doesn't really take a lot out of me. Yeah. Uh, and Lita says she's like, how do you sing while you're sitting down? She's like, I just don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't know. How you... so it's just from all the years of doing it, you know. Yeah, as, so. as a person who could never play the drums because of the coordination, I don't know how you can play the drums and do anything, <laughs> let alone sing. A lot of people say after they see me do my Zeppelin thing, they're like, you're John Bonham and Robert Plant at the same time. How do you do that? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> so I it's fun, play. though. It's fun. I have a great time doing it. So Singing drummers, I could never never figure out. I, you know, it's hard enough to play yeah. the guitar, but usually the guitar is, is relatively in unison with the, you know, the vocal changes. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, the guitar. If the guitars are, if the guitar part is, is entirely different from the vocal part, it's hard for some guitar players to do. Yeah. You know, so they'll just, they'll choose not to sing on that part. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I don't know. I just focus on one. I just focus on singing more, I guess. And the drums kind of go into cruise control. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. Yeah, but <laughs> I think that's. I think that I can't really explain it, but I think that's what I do. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I was I had just recently talked to um, Tracy Ferry, who is in Boston now. He was in Striper for a while, and we had a very similar conversation. And, and how marketable that can make you as a musician is the yeah. to sing because you take a band like Boston, six guys on the stage singing. No one gets to take a song off, but you know, right? So if you can't, you could can be the greatest guitarist in the world, but if you can't, you know, harmonize a little, then maybe the other guy gets the audition. That's right, and you're right, and it, it does depend on the band, like a Striper yeah. or a Boston, or you know, a very, you know, large vocal melody, uh, yeah. harmonic band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, then calling for someone for that spot would definitely have to, to have a strong voice. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Leah's album, like a runaway, you actually you you came on the fold after the album was complete, correct? Just That's right. The timeline, okay. And I mean, is the plan now just tour, tour, tour on the record? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, she just mentioned the other day, she said, this record's only been out for two months. And yeah. 
and we're like, wow, yeah, we have a lot, a lot more work to do. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, it, I think that's kind of what she was saying. She just said that yesterday when we were on the bus. She said, "Do you realize the record's only been out for two months?" I said, "Yeah." She said, "It's doing great." And um, so, yeah, I think she, she did. A, she's um, well. We all have created a lot of commotion, you know, um, uh, about the record and yeah. uh, with this tour. She's you know got a lot of new fans, and a lot of the fans that she's had are are just blown away with how how great she's playing and how she looks and how she sounds and. And the new band, and, and mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. Some of the places the people are just staring like zombies, but I think it's because they didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And she's doing so well, and with the new songs, it's so great, and you know, and so they kind of get a little zombieish. They're kind of like, <laughs> they don't react as much, but I think they're just kind of blown away a little bit to to, to be, uh, you know, not to, oh, to just... shoot my own horn, but it's it's Lena, but. Um, so, but yeah, she's doing great, and so there's a lot of time left on the record. We were planning on um, doing some shows in October, um, and uh, some local shows. I think around California, mm-hmm. and then um, and doing an, doing a live record, some kind of an acoustic thing, possibly. Oh, that or, cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, I so think you know a lot of people probably you know you get to, you know this could not have been booked as a better tour probably for her because you know a lot of people may not. You know, you, you think of that era, and you see, okay, you're going to see Death Leopard, you're going to see Poison. Oh, Lita Ford, I remember her. And they go out and see it, and then maybe they only remember Close My Eyes forever. Sure. And, you know, then they get to hear, you know, some of the, the classic stuff, some of the new stuff, and, mm-hmm. you know, it reminds you, and then you go back. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, she, yeah. Was, she was really good, and then you go out and, you, you know, you get the records and stuff like that after the fact. I mean, sure, right. How how is that going out with with I mean you guys with with Lynch Mob and things like that? Well, I used to do some pretty big shows, but you're doing big shows yeah. with this yeah, tour. Yeah, these, these are big ones. How was <laughs> how how that experience for, for you personally? It's fantastic. I love it. Um, you know, we're unfortunately, you know, we we only have a tiny tiny part of the stage after the two bands are set up behind us. <laughs> Lead is literally like just in front of my kick drum, but um, but it's fun, man. It's it's very exhilarating to play for a crowd of that size you know and and that much noise and this is the first tour i'm I'm using in-ears so i'm using in-ears with like a sub behind me i don't know if people know what those are but they're like little molded in-ear monitors so i can hear all of our i I can have my own mix in my ears just explaining to the listeners so they know what the in-ears are so instead of using instead of using a wedge monitor you know i'm using the the in-ears so and that's new for me um because that it keeps from having to move a lot of monitors and stuff as well. Ricky just Ricky's tech Kibo just moves his sub aside to the side for me so mm-hmm. I can feel the sub and, and I use the in ears and I, I like them but um but it's so I don't hear a lot of the crowd, you know, with the, I'm just hearing what's coming through the mics and stuff. So yeah. but but it is it's still exhilarating to see all those people and um and it's it's um it's great. You know, I definitely played for these this these size of crowds, but not night after night. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it was very occasional, you know, yeah. for festivals and stuff like that. But now it's it's a, it's become a, a regular thing. I have to not try not to get too used to it. I guess. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a hard one to come down. For no, me. man, I don't. I don't. I could care less if I'm playing a club or a house of blues or an amphitheater. It's all the same to me. So. Yeah, it's got to be fun. Now, yeah. well, you mentioned that you guys get kind of a short set. I mean, do you guys, how do you, you, you burn time after the show and stuff? Or you just go on to the next gig or do you guys kind of hang out? Or, so we get hang. A, <clears throat> we hang. We go, you know, I always wait to eat, you know, with the, the catering. They have catering at, at all the gigs. I always wait to eat till after. So we'll go and eat and, um, 
and hang out and chat and stuff. And we usually shove off around midnight, you know, okay. bus, bus drives. And then, uh, you know, we go to sleep and wake up in the next city and do it all over again. Yeah. Are these <laughs> you know? are these tour dates a little more uh, uh, spaced evenly apart, or you're not doing they, that? They are. They're they're two on, one off, two on, one off. Okay. But but sometimes we have five in a row because we have two on solo show and then yeah. two on. So we have we have two half an hour shows and then an hour and a half show and then two half an hour shows in five, yeah. five days in a row. So that's that's a tough clump. We just did yeah. one of those clumps, as I call it. Uh, we just did one of those um, about a week ago. So, but it's fun. I like to stay busy. And like today, we have a day off, and because um, it's a long drive, so we're going to Indianapolis okay. from from Bangor, Maine. Like we're oh. almost up by by Canada. Yeah. So our poor, our poor bus driver just drove two and a half hours last night. Yeah. And then we have another. We're leaving at two a.m. tonight. We have another. Uh, Ouch. Whatever it is. Yeah. Another eight hours. Yeah. But um. But it's a long drive. So, but you know, the days off, I just I get a little bored. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. But I like to keep going. So, I really yeah. keep playing. Yeah. Are you um, still using the Crush drums? I am. Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, oh, certainly. Yeah. 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 They're they're amazing. I I got a new drum kit for. I'll send you a pic. Yeah. I'll send you a picture of them. They're um they're beautiful drums. I'm actually using um a different configuration for this tour as well. Okay. Two rack toms instead of one. I usually okay. do like the John Bonham setup with one rack tom and two floor toms. Okay. Um, but for this one, because Lita's songs have big tom fills, and so I thought I should <clears throat> have some more more variety of toms. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we have. Uh, I'm using the Crush uh, drum kit. I also am using a smaller size kick drum, a 22. Um, beautiful drums. A Cosmo finish. It looks like. It's like, like a sparkle, but there's like colors in it. It's okay. like, a, like a yeah, sparse sparkle. It's very very beautiful, and um, they sound great. And I love them. Yeah, the great crushed drums. Yeah, go they, get a go get a kit. They're the best. Yeah, they really make. I, I know the ones you had uh, last summer. The blue ones were were amazing. Yeah, the blue sparkles. Know? Those are great. Those yeah. are very big sounding. These the ones I'm using with Lita are a little tidier, a little tighter and punchier. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but the the blue sparkle kit that was for Ace actually, which I never used with Ace because I had my um, another kit out um, uh, with all the all the Ace gear. Okay. But um, but yeah, um, I used that kit with Lynch Mob quite a bit, the blue sparkle one, and yeah. um, they're very big sound. They were good for Lynch Mob. They had a big sound. They were good for that too. Yeah. So I have two I have two varieties of uh, Crush kits to to use for, depending on what what um, what situation I'm in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you use for symbols? Zildjian. Zildjian, okay. All the way. I've always used Zildjian. Okay. Always, since I can remember. Yeah, so yeah. that seems to be the uh, official brand of pretty much everyone. Yeah. No offense I, to Sabian. You can't, can't go wrong with Zildjian. I, yeah. I don't know. I just, I've always used Zildjian. So. Yeah. Now, do you have any plans outside the uh, Lita Ford and the touring there? Are you um, not, still not moonlighting really, with any other bands at the moment? Yeah, we, when I get back to L.A., I'm going to be doing Six Foot Nurse, my Zeppelin band, and um, okay. it's actually interesting because I'm going to, you know, my guitar player is in a band called Vintage Trouble. The guy okay. from um, Nelly Colt, my my guitar player from my Zeppelin band, is uh, in Vintage Trouble, and they're just blowing up right now. They're huge. Okay. So they're over, and Doc McGee is managing them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're over in Europe right now, and he's traveling all the time. So I'm re uh, Reestablishing the band, and uh, Mitch is Mitch and uh, Marty are going to do it. Oh, okay. Cool. So while we're not working with Lita, we're going to be doing the the Zeppelin band, which will be great. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, um, and my manager's going to be um, 
going to be booking some shows for us and stuff like that, and um, and keep us try to keep the three of us busy as much as we can. Yeah, you know? and then working with Lita and doing the Zeppelin band and and doing sessions. You know, I get sessions occasionally here and there, and try to stay busy <clears throat> as much as I can. Yeah, that's it's always good to get the studio work in there. It's a whole different world going into the studio. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. awesome. All right, Scott. Well, I don't want to tie up any longer. You probably should get okay, to sleep Jeff. before the bus rolls up. I don't want to think, yeah. take any well, time. Well, no, I have uh, I have twelve hours from now. So. Yeah. <laughs> try, try to get a little sleep and uh, yeah, yeah. Shake off right, the cobwebs. All right, you take care, Scott. Okay, nice to talk to you. The countdown is on. Rush Clockwork Angels tour, September 11th, Consol Energy Center, Getty Lee, Alex Lifeson, Neil Peart, an evening with Rush. Music from every sector of their career. Tickets are on sale now via LiveNation.com. All Ticketmaster outlets. The box office are charged by phone. Rush. Clockwork Angels Tour. More at Rush.com. As if there weren't enough shows already coming to the area. We've got Rush on the 11th of September. Also, don't forget Steve Vai is coming on the 6th to play the Palace in Greensburg. So this month of September is looking pretty nice. you got Kiss Steve Vai and rush all within the first 11 days of the month so i know i'm happy so check those out ironcityrocks.com go to the concert calendar you can see all this stuff at any time updated constantly with what's coming to pittsburgh so check that out find us on facebook facebook.com forward slash iron city rocks twitter.com forward slash iron city rocks and youtube i think as well uh, we are not on pinterest i have no interest in pinterest so we are not on there yet, at least. We are on Google+. Plus. If you're one of the four people who use Google+, Plus, you can find us there as well. So if you've got a band or uh, interested in seeing a particular band on the show, have suggestions, comments, concerns, whatever, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes. We would deeply appreciate uh, some feedback or even just a rating on iTunes would be a very big help. Also, check out the castironring.com. That is a uh, group of podcasts that Iron City Rocks belongs to. Eight of the coolest podcasts on the internet. CastIronRing.com, also in the App Store for your iPod, iPad, iPhone. Search for Cast Iron Ring and you can listen to this very show right on that app. So, before we go, we're going to introduce a new segment to the show. I uh, would love your feedback on this. This is called The Woodshed. This is done by, uh, as many of you listen to the show, Progressions Music Studios has been advertising with us for quite a while now. And uh, that is no longer a uh, business. They have uh, kind of morphed into something new. So what we're going to do is give you a taste of what they're doing now, which is called the AvalonBeat.com. This is called The Woodshed. And uh, this is going to be less so one of that. It's a segment where we're going to take some uh, user-submitted questions uh, from musicians out there. And I know a lot of people out there are musicians. We put a thing on Facebook a while back and said, what do you want to know? What are some questions you've always had about music that you haven't learned? So this was the first answer to the first question. Uh, let us know what you think. Also on ironcityrocks.com, you'll find all the lessons uh, that Susan is talking about in this segment as well. So check that out. Let us know what you think. Iron City Rockers, this is Sue with the Avalon Beat Project, avalonbeat.com. 
And I am here on the first episode ever of The Woodshed, where we will be answering all of your guitar questions. So let's get rolling right away. And the first question is from Brian, who says, I don't understand how to use modes. I understand that it involves playing the major scale over a different root note or over different keys to get a different sound or flavor. Does that mean musicians are just playing the major scale most of the time? How do you use this in a real playing situation? Well, Brian, let me break this down for you. This is actually not a one-part question. This is like a four-part question. So we really need to understand a few things before we get to how to use the modes. And the first thing we really need to understand is major scale construction and how the major scales all are related to each other. Okay, the second thing we need to understand is how chords are constructed based on those major scales and how those chords are related to each other. Then we need to understand modes. And once we understand where the modes come from, you can kind of start putting together how you would use that in a live playing situation. Part number one, let's look at the major scale construction. My personal philosophy on on a major scale is that the C major scale is the granddaddy of all major scales. Why is that? There are no sharps or flats in the C major scale. So any other scale that you use, you are using the C major scale as a base and you have to sharp or flat a note to make that next scale. That being said, there is a major scale pattern that all major scales follow. Doesn't matter what note you start on, it doesn't matter what key you're playing on. All major scales follow the same pattern, and that pattern is two frets or a whole step, another two frets, a half, uh, one fret, I'm sorry, or a half step, whole step, whole step, whole step, followed by a half step. So put it all together, you have two whole steps, a half step, three more whole steps, and a half step. A whole step again being two frets, where you would skip a fret in between and a half step being two adjacent frets. So let's put this to work. Let's let's take a C, and that's going to be at the, the easiest place to find this is probably going to be the first fret of the second string. Okay, so we start with the first fret of the second string. That is your C note. Jump up two frets, you get a D. Jump up another two frets, you get an E. Now, Pay very close attention because we are leaving frets open in between there. We're going to get back to that later, but for now, let's just skip those frets. So C to D, first fret, third fret, D to E, third fret to fifth fret, E to F, there's only one fret in between here, so E is going to be at the fifth fret, F is going to be at the sixth fret. F to G is going to be six to eight, sixth fret is F, eighth fret is G. And from G, we're going to go two more frets to the 10th, and that's going to be an A. We're going to go from A to B, and that's going to be B at the 12th fret of the second string. Then we're going to follow it up with the octave of the root, so the octave of the C that we started at, which is going to be the 13th fret of the second string. Second string, C major scale going from the bottom of the neck by the nut to the top of the neck down by the pickups is going to be... 1st fret C, 3rd fret D, 5th fret E, 6th fret F, 8th fret G, 10th fret A, 12th fret B, and 13th fret octave of C. That gives you your C major scale, and that shows you what the C major scale pattern looks like. If you look at it on a piece of paper, you'll see the pattern 
of the C major scale. And you can see what it actually looks like when it spreads out. Now, there are two really important things to remember. And the first is that we were skipping some frets that we will come back to. The second thing is that between B and C and between E and F, there is no skipped fret. So those are going to be key to remembering your scale patterns and seeing how things fit together. If I were to take this scale pattern and I apply it to the same thing on the first string, so I start on the first fret of the first string, that's going to be an F scale. And I'm going to end up with the same frets. I'm going to end up with the first, third, fifth, sixth, eighth, tenth, twelfth, and thirteenth. But I'm going to end up with a different set of notes. I'm going to end up with an F, a G, an A, a B flat, a C, a D, an E, and an F. Remember, we used to have an extra fret between A and B, and now we don't. A and B are right next to each other. So we actually have to lower that B by one fret to make it fit into our major scale pattern. So this is kind of how we manipulate things to get different scales. We have to kind of force the notes into that scale pattern. Let's take a closer look here to the F's major scale and the, the C major scale. If you notice, the last four notes of the F major scale, C, D, E, F, are actually the first four notes of the C major scale, C, D, E, F. So there's a very close relationship between those two scales. More on that later, but let's roll on to another major scale. And this time we're going to stay on the first string, but we're going to slide up to the third fret. And we're going to use that same pattern. Two frets, two frets, one fret. Two frets, two frets, two frets, one fret. Now we're starting on the third fret, which is G. We're going two frets to an A. Two more frets to a B. And that's, we're at the seventh fret now. One fret to a C, which is the eighth fret. Tenth fret is D. Twelfth fret is E. Now I need two frets here. And remember, E and F are normally only one fret apart, but I need two. So I'm going to move that F up from the 13th to the 14th fret, which is going to give me an F sharp, which is going to give me the required two frets between E and F. And then from F sharp to G, the 14th to the 15th fret, I'm right back where I need to be with that one fret between F and G. Now, if we look at the last four notes of the C major scale, G, A, B, C, they're actually the first four notes of the G major scale, G, A, B, C. So those three scales are very tightly related. And as you work your way around the circle of fifths, you'll actually find a lot of that going on. For example, your G, D, and A scales all end up sharing together. That is the first section, how the major scales are built and how they fit together. <laughs>